Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is the Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I'll be your host on this presentation today. And with me direct from the trading room, as always, is Jack Herr. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with our firm, the Rudd Company is a wealth management firm headquartered in Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. We manage investments for clients across the country and specialize in active portfolio management, retirement planning, and the setup and management of employer-sponsored retirement plans. Jack, our topic today is really in a response to a lot of the questions we get in our quarterly reviews. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Social Security today. Yeah, I'm excited, and uh, I like our guest speaker, too. Oh, absolutely. Before we jump into that topic with our guest speaker today, you know, Jack, I normally like to start with some light humor, but, you know, today I'm going to break from that tradition. Do you know why I didn't come up with a Social Security joke for the podcast today? Why is that? Because I didn't think anyone would actually get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty worried about that myself. <laughs> well, before we jump into our topic today, which uh, I'm very interested to talk about, uh, why don't we uh, head into the trading room with you and just uh, take a look at the markets over the last month? Yeah, definitely. So pretty good 2019, huh? Uh, it's been incredible. It's, uh, it's been one for the, for the record books. Yeah, and we were uh, off to a pretty busy start here in 2020 as well. Um, and we continue to move up in the stock market. A few things happened this week that pushed the market higher. Um, the two trade deals were signed, the North America deal and the phase one of the China deal. Obviously, this is good progress, and the market certainly like this, but I think we still have some work to do with China. We talked last time about jobs and manufacturing data. It looks like manufacturing increased in December, which is a bit of a surprise given how we were declining at the end of 2019. And then yesterday, U U.S. housing starts rose to a 13-year high, which was good news as we remain in a low interest rate environment. Yeah, those interest rates help, don't they? Yeah, definitely. So um, no questions here, really. Just wanted to see um, if any of these things stood out to you. I was particularly interested in the manufacturing data, given our conversation on the last podcast. It seems like some businesses may be finally increasing their production as the consumer can continues to remain confident and spend, especially during the holiday season. Oh, absolutely. We've been reading about that, and, and you know, the uh, a lot of these businesses are just going to have to respond to the consumer spending more money, and um, it's very interesting to me to see how those low interest rates and how just the, just the cheap cost of money today and the availability of liquidity is really helping uh, keep the consumer's wallet open. And, you know, you talked a little bit about watching real closely that employment number. That's what, you know, we've been talking about here at the firm just as, as more of a lagging indicator on uh, the overall economy. And, you know, people have jobs right now. Uh, they're making decent money. Uh, they're spending that money. We had a really strong Christmas season, which you and I talked about, we expected, and stocks have done really well. Um, one of the things, though, that I think is interesting, you mentioned the, just the stellar performance in 2019. You know, just we had a lot of uh, expansion in the multiples of the companies that we follow, and so the market's gotten a, a little more expensive here recently. And it's been a little different than uh, than the prior year, what drove the returns on, on a lot of the companies in, in the portfolio. So things got a little more expensive. You and I are watching earnings really closely right now and seeing if uh, see if those consumers can push more money down to, to the bottom line for these companies. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you mentioned something at the end there, earnings, and that's something for those of you that don't know. We're following every day now that you know earnings have started. 
Um, but that's that's what I wanted to close on. The big banks on Wall Street were the first to report earnings this last week, and the results were pretty good so far. Obviously, a big headwind for those banks is going to be the low interest rates that we talked about, um, which is going to decrease their income on their loans and things like that. But despite this, the majority of these banks were able to beat expectations due to higher trading revenue and more assets under management as people you know, were eager to get into this market. So not much else to say here. Just wanted to give everyone an update on the earnings real quick and maybe something from time to time that we touch on if we see any indicators or opportunity in the market. So. No, I think that's a great summary. Thanks a lot, Jack. And um, you know, we'll definitely take it. Right, we'll take the uh, take the performance in 2019. It was absolutely outstanding. Uh, we've had a good start to the year already, but uh, let's just summarize it. I think it's fair to say uh, we're watching earnings pretty closely and and the environment of interest rates. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into the topic that I think is is going to interest most everybody here. We'll talk a little bit about um, Social Security, and the reason that we're bringing this up has to do with. Uh, sitting down face-to-face with our investors, a lot of those who are heading into retirement. Just curious a little bit about what that landscape looks like in terms of Social Security. You know, it's kind of interesting. When, you know, my grandfather was, I spent a little short time in this business many, many years ago. You know, everybody uh, worked for a company or a lot of people worked for a company that had a pension. They all retired around the same age and they statistically died uh, within you know seven to ten years of when they retired, and that doesn't require a lot of financial planning if everybody has a pension. Now these days, due due to incredible medical uh, technology and advancement in health, we're all living these long lives, and it's it's wonderful to see that. One of the challenges is that a lot of us are still retiring around the same date, and uh, so uh, you know naturally we're going to have questions about uh, Social Security, which really has become more in line with the government pension than. I think what it originally was uh, designed to be. And so we get a lot of these questions, uh, how to maximize Social Security benefits, what are the right uh, things to do in terms of when to claim. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest speaker today. Dan Riker is our financial planning associate here at the Rudd Company and uh, a certified financial planner and a general expert and guru on all things Social Security. Dan, uh, I really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm uh, really going to look forward to this. Well, uh, so just to start, I kind of set the stage for you, Dan. You know, you uh, work very closely with a lot of our our customers here, and we get these questions. You know, we're not uh, we're not employees of the government. We don't work for the Social Security Administration, but in our role, in our unique role, it's important for us to be able to advise on Social Security in our responsibility and in our uh, role as wealth managers, as as financial advisors. So, I want to start out by just uh, having you walk us through some of the common uh, client questions that we get. Are there any questions that are top top of mind for you when uh, we get these from our clients? Yeah, absolutely. The bo- most common one is, is how much are my benefits going to be? And another common one is what are a common claiming strategy? So at what age do you claim? Uh, if there's going to be taxes on my Social Security benefits, uh, those those are pretty much the main questions. Well, let's start out with uh, kind of the the big one. I mean, what determines benefits as far as the size and and uh, just kind of take that. Sure. So there's basically four factors that are going to determine what your benefits are. Uh, three out of those four you can control. One of them you can't. Uh, the one you can't control is your date of birth. So when you're born, um, that obviously impacts you know your life expectancy and, and how long you're going to live. Um, the other three, you have your earned income. In other words, how much do you make every year? Um, how many years have you worked? And the age at which you claim. 
Um, so to some degree, you can control all of those. So the strategy for determining what your benefits are actually start when you start first earning money. And that's when you really should start thinking about Social Security. So I need to tell my kids to get a job at pretty early, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and you know what? It's, that's, that's funny that you say that because the way the benefits are calculated is you have – it looks at your highest – 35 years of earnings and takes an average from that. Yeah. So if you work a little bit longer than 35 years, say you make 100,000 in your 36th year, but you only made 10,000 in your first year, that 100,000 replaces that 10,000 in the calculation. So that's one way to increase your benefit is by just working a little bit longer than that 35 years. See, my son's not going to like that. No, no. <laughs> Who wants to work 35 years? <laughs> I don't think I like that, Josh. <laughs> so how can... I guess my first question is, I've noticed over the years that I've been in the business, access to information about your benefits has really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, you, you know this better than I do, but the, uh, you know, there used to be a statement that was mailed out. How can, uh, what's the best place and the quickest and easiest way for investors to go and, and see what those benefit uh, amounts are? Yeah, that's really easy to do nowadays. I think they've actually stopped mailing out the paper statements. So where you want to go is to ssa.gov and then go to My Social Security, and you can log in there. If you haven't created an account, uh, you can create one right there. It only takes a few minutes, and it gives you your estimated benefit. And what's really important is it gives you your work history as well, so you can see all the years of your Social Security earnings. And that's really important to keep track of, so I recommend establishing that account and double-checking your work history and your earnings to make sure they're correct because it's better to correct it earlier rather than later. Now, I know that when uh, every once in a while I'll have an investor in our office and they'll have a very unique situation where they'll either, you know, work for the government or they'll be a teacher. Uh, They'll have some type of another benefit. Are there any benefits out there which uh, disqualify or replace uh, a Social Security benefit, Dan? Um, There are certainly benefits out there that impact what your Social Security benefit could be. common one that I run into is somebody who, say they worked in the corporate world for 20 years or so, um, but they've always had a passion for teaching and they want to transition to a teaching career. And they get a job for public school systems, got a great pension that is not covered by Social Security. What a lot of people don't realize is that some of these government agencies and school districts don't pay into the Social Security system, and they have their own pensions instead. Well, that can actually cause a reduction in the Social Security benefits that you did earn. And the reason for that is, um, a short way to say it is, the Social Security benefits are calculated looking at fairness, so that lower-income people get a higher percentage of their average monthly uh, income than higher-paid people. So if you're not working the full years in Social Security, let's say you only work 10 years, for example, and you only made $10,000 a year, then Social Security is going to let you keep more of the, like about 90% of that, of that monthly income, but you have a work history of maybe making $100,000 a year. So they're looking at you as a low-income earner instead of a high-income earner. So what happens with this calculation is it reduces your Social Security benefit. Now, there's a maximum. It can't be reduced by more than $480 a month um, or one-half of the pension. 
and that's to protect people who have low pensions from having their Social Security being reduced too much. So so is there a disincentive for me? Uh, I think your example is a really a good one. If I, you know, have been successful and I want to go do some teaching, and let's say, you know, in a primary school, you know, with mm-hmm. younger kids, uh, am I going to am I going to uh, mess up my Social Security? Uh, potentially, something that you need to think about. Um, it's gonna it's gonna depend on you know what kind of pension is being offered. So is it good enough to replace the reduction? Uh, another thing is is that. Maybe not so much as teachers. Well, actually, maybe for teachers because during the summertime they have vacations. Maybe they take part-time jobs. So those part-time jobs would be taxed by Social Security, and that counts towards um, your Social Security benefit. And if you work at least 30 years with substantial earnings, then a non-Social Security pension will not impact your Social Security benefits. So what are, I think one one thing that if, uh, our listeners might be interested in knowing is just kind of the basics of Social Security eligibility. Sure. So Social Security eligibility uh, is pretty, pretty straightforward. You have to work at least 10 years making earnings that are taxed by Social Security, and that's how you become eligible. Is that what, uh, is that what accountants mean when they say Social Security wages? I've heard that term yes. passed around. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and those Social Security wages, uh, it's basically part of your payroll tax. So your employer pays half and you pay half. Okay. So, no, uh, great information. So let's talk a little bit about taxation. I know that that's something that I hear about periodically mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, would, a lot of questions are revolve around, you know, are my Social Security benefits going to be taxed and how much are taxed? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So Social Security, when they determine whether or not any of it's going to be taxed, they use what's called combined income. And all that is is they take your adjusted gross income, non-taxable income, and one half of your Social Security benefits. And they add that up and see what it is. If it's above a certain amount, some of your benefits are going to get taxed. Not all of it, but some of it. If it's below that amount, then there's no taxes on it. So, for example, if you only have Social Security, chances are your Social Security benefits will not be taxed. If you have required minimum distributions, that could bring your adjusted gross income up high enough so that your Social Security benefits start being taxed. So trying to coordinate your Social Security benefits with your required minimum distributions and whether you have Roth IRAs and things of that nature um, could be very important for how much you're going to pay in taxes later on. So what I'm, uh, what I'm gathering is that it depends. It does. It depends. <laughs> Social Security interacts in, with a lot of different uh, programs, a lot of different benefits. So there's, there's a lot to look at there. You know, we uh, we talk in investment about, you know, how dividends are taxed multiple times mm-hmm. before they get to an investor. You know, they're taxed, you know, as earnings for the company, and then they're taxed again when, you know, John and Sally Smith get a dividend check. It's, it's kind of interesting to me to think that, you know, the, the tax system is uh, is paying for Social Security, and then we're actually taxing the taxes that pay to Social Security again. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 is, that is funny. Um, you know, and one thing to, to keep in mind is, you know, Social Security is um, not supposed to be an entitlement. It's a benefit that you've earned. And, you know, so those taxes go into the system. That's your money that you're supposed to be getting back. The thing with it is, is that the current workers are the ones that are paying for the current recipients of Social Security benefits. Okay. So as the number of workers decrease per retiree, then that's where Social Security is getting into trouble. 
Well, Dan, this is all great information, and and uh, you know one other thing that was just coming to mind is so let's say I'm I've decided that I'm going to start drawing Social Security now. Uh, I'm real excited getting my first check. One of the things that's going to be on mind is uh, is that check ever going to change? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, the short answer is yes. Um, there's a few different ways that it can change. For the most part, your Social Security check will not go down. Now your benefits are never going to change, except for cost of living adjustments. So your benefits will um, will gradually increase depending on cost of living adjustment. Um, now your check, on the other hand, that can go up or down. Uh, for the most part, it'll go up with cost of living adjustments. When most people have Social Security, most people have their Medicare premiums automatically deducted from their Social Security check. So the check is going to be less than the, uh, the benefit, which makes sense. Now, premiums on Medicare periodically increase so you would think that if your Medicare premiums go up, then that could potentially reduce your check amount, the net that goes into your bank account. Uh, there's a law out there that says increases in Social Security premiums cannot actually reduce the amount of check that you get. Now, if there's that a cost of adjustment, uh, cost of living adjustment that happens, and it's less than the Medicare premium increase, then you may not see an increase in your check because of the cost of living. Um, so, so far I've just talked about things that can make your check increase or stay the same. There is one place where Medicare can decrease your take-home check. So Medicare premiums are based on, think of them as income brackets. So if you're above a certain kind of income, then your Medicare premium itself will be higher than what most people pay. So, so people have higher incomes pay a higher premium than lower income people. So let's say you are, you know, you have a lake house and so far you're in the lower income bracket for paying Medicare premium. Let's say it's $135 or so a month. And let's say you sell that lake house and your, let's say your income is about $160,000. Just for that one year? Just for that one year. Because of the lake house sale? Well, right. So let's say you're at 160000 You sell the um, the lake house, and now your income is 220000 for that year. Okay. Now I follow you. Okay. Thank you. So you had that increase in income. Well, that puts you into a higher Medicare premium bracket. So your premium per month just increased by about $216 or so. So your take-home check could be decreased by $216 for that year. So it's not going to be permanent as long as you're not permanently have a higher income, but you might be a little bit shocked if that happens and your premiums go up and you're getting less in Social Security. You know, so it, it, there's really a, a strategic, or we really need to look at this as a, as a strategy. I mean, Absolutely. so what I'm, what I'm hearing from you, Dan, is that, you know, investors out there are those really thinking about Social Security and, and when, and, and those really already drawing, you know, we need to make this a part of our wealth management process and our regular conversation at our annual meetings. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of complicated rules with Social Security. The Social Security Handbook has over 2,700 rules. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, Dan. Yeah. Me with the, with, I mean, I, you know, I think about taxes and, and the tax code, so that, that part doesn't surprise me. Well, you know, we're getting into some uh, some pretty neat stuff and cool stuff for Social Security. I didn't know there was so much there. Do you have any any uh, recommendations? Any uh, I don't want to ask you for, uh, I guess, strategy recommendations 
uh, on the podcast today, but are there some simple things that individuals and couples and families can do when thinking about the strategy of, of how to maximize their benefits? So maybe when to draw. Um, can you talk a little bit about those strategies that you see on a regular basis? Sure, absolutely. Um, for, I'll, I'll tackle the easy one first. That's for the individual because you only have one person that you're, you're thinking about. And, and the key thing here is your life expectancy. So, you know, the longer your life expectancy in general, the more you want to delay claiming, that'll increase your lifetime benefit as well as your monthly benefit. And the shorter your life expectancy you want to claim earlier, that'll decrease your monthly benefit, but you'll have more years in which you're going to receive a benefit, so that would increase your lifetime benefit. So that would be drawing it before normal retirement age? Right, which can be anywhere from 66 to 67. Some people are still at 65, so... Um, well, actually, no, we're past that point now. So people who are going to be retiring uh, here soon are going to be s between 67 and 66 years old. So when's the earliest that someone could actually draw and receive benefits? Normally, that would be 62. Okay. But for a spouse of a survivor benefit, it's 60. Okay, interesting. Yeah. What other, what other strategies uh, do you see that, that tend to work? Um, for a married couple, usually there's a disparity in how much each each person in the couple make. So typically the one that makes the higher income and has the higher benefit should delay their social security till age 70, while the, the spouse who has the lower benefit can claim at the normal retirement age or early uh, to kind of make up for that income delay. And then that way, the, the one that delays till 70 increases their benefit by a pretty large amount. It's about 8% a year uh, that you delay. And so the idea is that if anything happened to uh, that higher wage earner, that the survivorship benefit for the uh, the lower wage earner would be higher if they had to. Exactly. Okay, I'm following you there. Now, I just want to – that's outstanding it's, that you're able to give some, uh, some information on this podcast. Uh, I do just want to share with our listeners that we definitely want you to, you know, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about your own specific situation before taking these uh, recommendations and running and running to the <laughs> bank and making a decision here. We, we have not uh, gone through any one specific situation individually. But those are great points, Dan. I think uh, our listeners uh, would find that very valuable, and I appreciate you walking through there uh, with us. Are there any other points that you want to share uh, before we wrap this portion up? I think just just one in general. Um, a lot of our clients want to retire early, and that's and that's great. And I'm certainly not going to discourage anybody from retiring early, like Jack. Um, but uh, just keep in mind that if you're retiring early, remember you got those 35 years. So when Social Security is calculating your benefit. If you don't have a full 35 years, each one of those years, so let's say you work 20 and you have 15 years without Social Security wages, you're going to be a zero in each one of those 15 years, which is going to reduce your average, and that will reduce your benefit. Well, that's really important to know. Uh, that's uh, I didn't know that. So thanks for sharing that with us today. And, and Dan, uh, thanks thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us and discussing Social Security Day. I bet you Jack even, uh, even learned something today, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But <laughs> so, do you think uh, I'm receiving my Social Security benefit? I'd say you receive about 80% of it. All right, I'll take it, I'll take <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I just want to take a moment uh, to thank Dan for uh, sharing his knowledge on Social Security uh, today. And again, I'd, I'd like to take a moment to thank 
uh, all of our listeners today for tuning in and invite you to share your comments and ideas for future topics just like this one on our program. Again, our goal in, in doing this is not just to inform, but to add value and to give our clients some guidance on topics relevant uh, to them. And, and really this just easy to access format if you're in your car or or uh, on your iPod, you can you know take a, a few minutes and listen to this. And just let us know. Send us an email and let us know what you'd like to hear. So please take some time throughout the month to send us a message to uh, rudco at therudcompany.com with your comments and suggestions. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. In closing, just like to say thank you again to Dan Riker for joining us on our program today and, uh, and sharing this information on Social Security. And we'd like to thank all of our clients. Without you, uh, none of us here would have a job. And we, uh, we appreciate and, and thank you and take very seriously seriously the trust that you place in our firm. All of us here at The Rudd Company have a passion for wealth management and helping you win and achieve your long-term financial success. Thank you very much for listening today. This is The Rudd Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd, and from all of us here at The Rudd Company, invest long and prosper. This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell, or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.